That sounds on to me. Good morning. You guys are stuck with uh, with me and the beautiful Shirley Tuttle today. Um, Jeff is taking a little bit of a sabbatical today. So we are going to start out with Joy to the World. Shirley's got one too. So. Let's uh, let's try. Oh, come all ye faithful. It's not in the books, but I think that we all know it well enough to sing. Key of G, guys. Oh 
Let's get Larry Whiteley up here. Oh, he's right behind me. All right. Welcome home, everyone. Here and watching on that thing there, too. <laughs> Glad to have you all. Big hand for this band, will you? Do we have any first-time visitors to Cowboy Church here today? First-time visitors. Never been here before. Not a one? Not a one. No visitors. Okay. All right. Uh, everything we have going on is in our Bunkhouse Gazette newsletter back on that table or SockRiverCowboyChurch.com on that computer or your, new, your smartphone. We have our new smartphone app. Thanks to this gentleman right here, Mr. Greg Porter, for doing that. Uh, yeah, give him a hand. But... Here are some reminders for you. <laughs> Band of Brothers is tonight from 4 to 5 with dinner to follow. You on? Yep, there he is. Children's Church going on across the parking lot here, and they're having their Christmas party today, all those kiddos over there. Our youth meet tonight from 5 to 7 right over here at the Stables Education Building, too. And uh, you can follow our youth on Facebook. Well, we're getting techie, aren't we? You can follow them on, on Facebook, Youth at SRCC Teens. I know they'll love it if we all follow them. <laughs> I don't think so. But <laughs> if they're a teen. Uh, our youth Christmas program uh, is at 545 this Thursday right here. Okay? We'll have our normal food before that, and then uh, they will present their Christmas program. And they were going to have an outside nativity, but <laughs> I think they've decided against that and going to do it in here. So it be a little bit warmer. All right. Thanksgiving and Christmas baskets total over 600 Christmas baskets given out to needy folks. And they figure that was around 3,000 people we fed. All right. 
We need to say bless you to Judy Thomas and her village of volunteers. Bless all of you who gave to help others see Jesus through those Christmas baskets, all right? It's a great thing we do every year. Our candlelight service on Christmas Eve is at 6 p.m. right here, and that's always a very special event to come to. It doesn't take very long, but it's it's just a special thing for Christmas and everything. Christmas Day, we've got all three services going on. So uh, I figure we'll either have a small crowd or we could have a pretty good-sized crowd of people go ahead and have Christmas, bring all the family that's there with them, and they come with, with them too. That'd be great. Show others Cowboy Church off too. All right. Uh, don't forget our fifth Thursday night sing right here, December 29th, uh, with Bob Lovett and Red Letter Edition, okay? Yeah, that'll be fun. If you've never heard Bob Lovett and Red Letter Edition, you'll enjoy it. Uh, and one other announcement, no matter what the weather, <laughs> this is coming up because we got bad weather coming, cold and everything else. No matter what the weather, we're here. We're over there. We have church, no matter what the weather. I've been to some of them when there were three people there. But that's okay. You know. Birthdays. Anybody got a birthday this week? Yep. <laughs> Anybody else? Ah, yeah, over there, Yep. That's a forcible one there, boy. <laughs> she was fighting. Any other birthdays? Yep. Ah, she was being bashful too, wasn't she? Yeah. All right. How about anniversaries? Ain't got any anniversaries? Right here? Yep. All right. Okay. And I, I forgot to tell you this, too. You guys, this is special. Santa Claus is here, too. See? There he is. Santa Claus. We love you, Santa. I want a... Uh, All right. So, you get to sing happy birthday and happy anniversary. You got them. And a one, and a two, and a one, two, three. Happy birthday to you. Happy anniversary to you. Happy birthday and anniversary. Happy birthday and anniversary. Did it? I didn't have to remind you. Your son's a mess, you know that. Okay. I figured you did anyway. Thank you, sir. <laughs> Folks, this time of year, we see nativity scenes everywhere, don't we? We see them in the yards, we see them on signs and Christmas cards on TV, they're everywhere. But the next time you see a nativity, I want you to look closely at the donkey. <laughs> Yeah, we don't usually pay much attention to that donkey, do we? But maybe we should. You see, the donkey did a lot more than just stand there and chew hay and stink up the place. That donkey carried Mary to the manger with baby Jesus in her womb. Then carried Mary and Jesus back to Nazareth. He plotted. He didn't gallop. He did what donkeys do. He steadily stepped in the direction the master directed. And then he stepped to the side. He demanded no recognition, expected no praise. He was happy to do his job and let Jesus have all the attention. More of us need to be like the Christmas donkey. 
Sock River Cowboy Church needs people. This world needs people who will plod along, expecting no applause, bear up under the weight of serving, and carry the story of Jesus to others. Don't just stand or sit there. Be willing to be a Christmas donkey. Would you bless us in prayer? I like hearing you pray, buddy. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for allowing us to gather in the Christmas season. Uh, thank you for the faith and fellowship that we have within this church. It's something that is not common in our world today. So I just thank you for the community that you have built around this church. And Lord, help us please go out into our communities and be pillars for our communities and be rocks. And let us just bless the community as we go in through the Christmas season. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Thank you. Yes. Oh. I'm glad you did that. Did anybody see that ring? Anybody lose the ring? Was it in the bathroom? In the ladies' bathroom. Well, I hope so. <laughs> the ladies' bathroom, the little ring here. It's got several little tiny, tiny diamonds. If you lost that, you come see me. You can take it off my finger here. All right? Come see me if you lost it. Okay. Take one day at a time and put it in God's hands. God bless America, this church, and all of you. And one more, God loves you. God bless you all. All righty. Hi, guys. Hi, congregation. Well, it's good to see you this morning. Um, I don't know why I'm talking right now. Let's do Silent Night. How about that one? That's going to be in the key of C. There's other verses to that song. So I jumped in there blind, but it worked out. It was great. It's beautiful. Thank you guys for holding on. Um, Shirley, 
I think I think you and Bob have a song, correct? Sorry, we're being interrupted. Scotty, you okay? Kinda. Ooh, this is fun. It's glad to have him back. It's it's amazing to have him back. Oh my gosh. Alrighty. I'm going to ask Bob to play this song first. It's Oh Holy Night, and then we'll sing one verse of it. I love this song. I think the words are amazing. Thank you might be up. Turn 
Yeah, yeah. Are you nervous? Oh, really? Oh, that's scary. It's okay. I'll, I'll be, I'll be with you all, all along. It. So, yeah, I, I can hold your hand if you want me to. Okay. All right. Oh, never mind. You're not a do what Bob is supposed to sing is special, and it's going to be a blessing because he's always a blessing to sing. Oh man. Sorry, I, I probably made you even more nervous originally. I'm used to it. Youngest of nine children. I went to school one time. I came home. My family had moved. Um, I, I have a request. I don't know if there's any bowlers in here. I bowl in four senior leagues a week. Uh, I bowl with the pastor and his wife from uh, Lebanon, and he just hurt his back severely. So um, I have a four-person team with only two people on it. So if I can find 50, two 50-year-old bowlers um, that want to bowl on Monday afternoon at 1 o'clock, please let me know. I am always encouraged when I get up here because I'm getting older and my memory is not as good as it used to be and my voice certainly is not as good as it used to be. But I am encouraged when people tell me how much they enjoy something that I have done. And the last time I sang here, several people came to me and said that they would like to hear that song again. And I, I do it with great joy because it's such a marvelous song. And the stanzas of this song come straight from God's Word. And that just blesses my heart. Rasslin' Jacob. I'm singing wrestling Jacob Day the day is breaking wrestling Jacob I will not let thee go I'm singing wrestling Jacob Day the day is breaking wrestling Jacob I will not let thee go let me go Jacob Day the day is breaking let me go Jacob I will not let thee let me let me go Jacob day the day is breaking let me go Jacob I will not let thee go now Jesus bear the cross alone and all the world go free no there's a cross for everyone and there's a cross for me I'm singing wrestling Jacob day the day is breaking wrestling Jacob I will not let thee go I'm singing wrestling Jacob day the day is breaking wrestling Jacob I will not let thee go let me go Jacob day the day is breaking, let me go, Jacob, I will not let thee, let me, let me go, Jacob, day, the day is breaking, let me go, Jacob, I will not let thee go, now I came to Jesus as I was, weary, worn, and sad, oh, I found in him a resting place and he has made me glad i'm singing wrestling jacob day the day is breaking wrestling jacob i will not let thee go oh let me go jacob day 
The day is breaking, let me go, Jacob. I will not let thee, let me, let me go, Jacob. The day, the day is breaking, let me go, Jacob. I will not let thee go. Let me go, Jacob. I will not let thee go. Oh, whoops. Am I working? I got to get on my thumbtacks here. People wonder. My my son watched us on uh, the other day. He said, Dad, what's those things on your shirt or on your coat? Those are for hearing aid. They go directly to people's hearing aids. And I don't know if I got room for many more, but I'll wear all you can bring me. All right. Good morning, Wrestling Jacob. I think that cost him a broken hip, if I'm not mistaken. So we don't know what the, how that works out. This is the third and final installation installment of the sermon that I've been preaching on in Hebrews chapter 13. Uh, we're going to be dealing for the third time today with the unshakable life, how to live a life that can't be shaken, how to be solid and strong, how to stand in the midst of trial and struggles and and that's what it's about. I'm going to start by reading you uh, from 2 Corinthians 11, a, an account of the Apostle Paul's life. He wrote this uh, to inform others, young Timothy and, and other people who like us, about his life. He's not bragging. He just wants us to know what he went through and how he went through it and stood solid. So listen to this. It's amazing. 2 Corinthians 11, 21. But whatever they dare to boast about, I'm, he says, I'm talking like a fool again. I dare to boast about it too. Are, there, are they Hebrews? Well, so am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they descendants of Abraham? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? So I know I sound like a madman, but I have served him far more. I have worked harder, been put in prison more often, been whipped times without number, and faced death again and again. Five different times, the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Five times. Do the math. Three times, I was beaten with rods. Once, I was stoned. Three times, I was shipwrecked. Once, I spent a whole night and a day adrift at sea. I have traveled on many long journeys. I faced dangers from rivers, from robbers, I faced danger from my own people, from the Jews as well as from the Gentiles. I have faced danger in the cities and in the deserts and on the seas. And I faced dangers from men who claim to be believers but are not. I've worked hard and, and long, enduring many sleepless nights. I've been hungry and thirsty and have often gone without food. I have shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. Wow, he went through all that. And he stood firm right to the very end of his life. 
He never gave up on his testimony. He never gave up on Christ. Um, if anybody could have been shaken loose, you'd have thought that would have done it. I'm not sure how I would have stood up. That adrift uh, all night and all day in the sea, I'm, I don't know about sharks. I am not those things nibble on my toes. But anyway, he did all that and he stood firm through it all. And so can you. That's what this sermon is hoping. I hope to encourage you that you can stand solid. I don't care what comes down your way. You can remain faithful. The writer of Hebrews, now as we get to 12 and 13, and especially 13, he's summarizing uh, his teaching. He is making his final plea to the jury. Uh, We're the jury. And he's talking about the things that he wants us to know. And uh, it's simply about how to stand in trying times. These times that the Hebrews, the people who read this, the people who got this letter the first time and read it were Roman, probably Roman Christians. And they read this letter to Hebrews because the Jewish people were being persecuted terribly in uh, Rome. The, the Neros and the other Caesars were terribly mis, mistreating them, persecuting them, burning them at the stake, feeding them to lions. It was a horrid time. So Paul writes this letter to those guys and says, guys, stand firm. You can do it. You can be solid through all that. You have difficult days. Last week, uh, I won't go back and re-preach the whole three-week sermon, but last week we talked about loving practically. If This is how you stand solid. You love practically. In other words, not love with just words, but love does something. Love has arms and legs and feet. It's a verb. It's not a noun or a... It's, in, it's a what, sorry, English teachers, I blew that, but whatever it is, it's, it, it needs to be a verb. Um, it needs to, to love practically. And then the second thing I said last week was to keep looking for angels because we're, we have help in this fight. We're not alone. Uh, we have angels who watch over us, but the point is they're sent from the Lord, and he, he protects us, he guards us, and his angels are sent to help us. So watch for them, be aware of them. And then we talked about loving on level ground. Now, what I meant by that was, I hope you understood, is... Sometimes we believers have a, a, a tendency to get an attitude that's a little haughty. We think we got it and everybody else doesn't. We're okay and they're not. And we, we Christians think, well, I'm going to reach down and help out that poor person. I'm wonderful. I'm going to reach out and help somebody. Listen to me. You need to get down on their level. You're just as bad as they are, amen? So don't be judgmental in your, in your generosity. Be generous, be generous, but don't be judgmental. Love on their level. And what the writer of Hebrews said was, uh, to those who are in jail, treat them as if you were in jail with them. And so you add that any way you want it to go. So level ground. And today, I'm going to tell you the four points I hope to get to today in this sermon is wait on the Lord, find contentment inside you, become a great leader, and don't fall for false teaching. Now, when I was in seminary and preaching class, they said, always tell your congregation what you're going to say and then say it and then tell them you said it. So I just told you what I'm going to say. If I forget to tell you at the end, I'd have said it. Okay. <clears throat> now, the, the world that we live in today is very similar in many, many ways to what it was like when the Hebrews read this letter for the first time. Their world was in dis- disarray. 
They were being persecuted, as we said. Uh, the government was everything. The Roman government was everything. It was, it was in every part of life. It had taken control of everything. Freedom was very, very limited. Taxation was uh, uh, really just destroying the nation. And um, people were... Well, the money that was being taken from the common folks, the middle class, was being taken and given to the rich, the upper class. And and that's a pretty dis- good description of our world today, what's going on. But you don't have to get it. You have a, we have a better situation. We've got Christ in our heart. We don't have to be down for Christmas. I, I talk to people at times, and I say, how are you doing for Christmas? How are you, how's your attitude as you approach Christmas? And they say, ah, blah. You know, you don't have to be down and blue for Christmas. You can be joyful and up. We don't have to be happy. Happy is connected with circumstance, happenstance, but joy is connected to the Lord Jesus Christ and salvation and hope. So hold on. You can have a good experience this Christmas. So how is it possible then to make it positive and not destructive? And how do we celebrate it and and hang on to the spiritual part? Well, Let's dig into this teaching in this text then. Would you read with me verse 4? This, this is going to go in a direction, and I will come back to that, but it, it's bigger than what we're going to start talking about. But nevertheless, let me say it. Let marriage be kept honorable in every way, and the marriage bed undefiled. For God will judge those who commit sexual sins, especially those who commit adultery. What I want to say here is wait on the Lord. If you want to be strong and you want to stand solidly when you're being shaken, wait on the Lord. Wait for Him to supply your needs. They that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. Amen? They'll mount up with wings as eagles. They'll run and not be weary. They'll walk and they won't faint. Oh, Solomon, he said, there's a time for everything. There is. There's a time for everything in your life. Uh, the, and I don't know what time this is in your life. This may be a time for you to wait. This may be a time for you to be patient, to, to endure. This may be a time for you to, to just hold on and, and wait on the Lord. I don't know what time it is, but I want to tell you one thing I know for sure. Waiting is hard. Write it down. It's true. Waiting is hard. I have often joked with people in private and, and even publicly, I think, that I have never prayed for patience. I never will. don't want to pray for patience because I don't want it. The reason I don't want patience is because I know what I've got to go through to get it. Right? I know what the Lord will do, what he'll drag, what he'll drag me through to give me patience. And I say, I don't want none of that, Lord. Give that to somebody else. I want it now. <laughs> Some people here this morning and watching on video or on, on the Internet, are, they're, they're needing things. You feel isolated. You need, you're lonely. You need a friend. You need somebody to give you a hug. Uh, some of you need a spouse. Some of you need, I don't know what you need, you're, you, but we're needy people. And God says, wait on the Lord. He will supply our need. Now, one of the most basic human drives is sexual expression. That's our basic nature is sexuality. And what this, the writer says here, that our sexuality is to be contained within the marriage. 
And when it's in, within a marriage, it's a wonderful experience for the family. It's a wonderful blessing for a man and a wife. But when it's outside of marriage, when it's not under the marriage bed, when it's somewhere else, then it can be a very difficult time and destructive. And if you're going into the holidays and you've been walking on both sides of the road, as it were, uh, I can promise you it's going to be complicated and going to be difficult for you. And you know that. <clears throat> we are to have one sexual partner for life of a marriage and having multiple sexual partners just is a, is a, it proves to God that we don't trust him. That's what it says. We're not, God, I don't trust you because you said you supply my needs. I'm going to take care of it myself. Thank you, Lord. I got this. Well, that's not God's plan, and you will not be satisfied. You remember Samson? Uh, I look a lot like him, I'm sure. <laughs> hair and all. I mean, you know, <clears throat> I haven't cut my hair in, what, two or three days now, so anyway. But Samson, he didn't t- trust God to supply his needs. And so he had multiple sexual partners and, and uh, married outside of the family's wishes. You know the story. You've read it as much as I. And he was living with, was it Delilah at the end that cut his hair? But, but his, his failure to trust God cost him everything. It cost him his hair, his eyes, his leadership, and his life. It cost him everything. King David, oh my goodness, King David. One of the most famous men in the Bible. What did he do? Well, King David had many wives. He had a lot of wives, multiple wives. I don't remember for sure, but a lot. His father had 700 wives, and he was supposed to be wise. Hello. (laughs) That proves right there he wasn't very smart, was he? Imagine what it would be like at Christmas. (laughs) Well, he got me a better gift than he got you, you know. I don't see anything good coming out of that. Anyway, King David had had many wives. And um, he he was getting long in life, late in his life. And he was walking around on his balcony one night. And he looked over on the other balcony, uh, another house, and there was Bathsheba taking a bath. You wonder why they call her Bathsheba? Because she's taking a bath. I don't know. Bathsheba was taking a bath. And Solomon's eyes looked over there. What? And um, he said, oh, I don't want to look over there anymore. And uh, he sent one of his workers, said, would you go ask her to come over? And, and they had a sexual relationship, adulterous. She had a husband. He had lots of wives. And they had a sexual adulterous relationship. And a, a child was conceived out of that. And, you know, it's a long story. But it cost David so much. It cost him his honor, his legacy, his kingdom. It cost him just about everything that he had in his life for me because he did that. Now, God made us with the need to express ourselves sexually. God made us that way. The reason is to ensure the repopulating the planet. He wants people here, and he knows that within good marriages and warm, committed, loving relationships, a man and a wife can produce a child and raise that child in a warm, loving family and produce the best possible human being. But today we're watching a culture that has not followed that rule. We're living in a culture that has mom and dad and the home has been destroyed and disrupted multiple times in many ways. It's under attack still to this day. And we're producing a culture that is absolutely out of control. They don't know how to be men. They don't know how to be women. They don't know how to be parents. 
and uh, we're, we're creating a, a mess for our culture. Anything that weakens the home weakens humanity. If it destroys the home in any way, it destroys all of us because we have to deal with, the, and our grandchildren and children will have to deal with this. So the, the writer of Hebrews here, he leans heavily on this, and he talks about judgment. And he says God's places, God places his judgment on adultery. And we, we have to be careful to keep our promises. <clears throat> now, when I was writing this, the Holy Spirit tapped me on the shoulder and said, there is two strong desires in the, within humanity. One is for sexuality, for sex. The second is to be judgmental. Uh-oh. Did you hear what I said? So, it, being judgmental is just about as bad, isn't it? So, let's do something for everybody. Let's mind our own business. Let's leave judging to God, all right? So, you don't judge me and I won't judge you. How's that going to work? Pretty good, right? What is my job description? Not, not pastor, but human, Christian, believer, son of God. What's my job description? Love God and love everybody. That's my job description. What's your job description? Love God and love everybody. Same. What's God's job description? Judgment. That's his job. And rewarding and things. But judgment. See, he's qualified to judge. We're not. It's not our job description. So let's leave it to him. And let's do what we're best at. The loving, loving, loving. The second thing I told you we're going to talk about today to, to make your life solid and unshakable is to find contentment. Find a way to be content. Oh, my, we're so discontented. I want this and I want that. Well, they got this and I want that. And Let's read verse 5. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For God has said, I will never leave you or abandon you. Hence, we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can anyone do to me? My dad was a 40-year-plus pastor of the same church. And uh, I've heard him say so many times. I can't tell you how many times I've heard him say this. He would say, I would rather have friends than money. It's so true. Man, friends are amazing, aren't they? You just, what, I mean, if you've got money, you've got money, so what? But if you've got friends, you've got your money and their money and everything else. You know what I'm saying? You've got it all. <clears throat> The writer of Proverbs, which is Solomon again, he said, um, two things I ask you, Lord, do not refuse me before I die. Keep falsehood from my lips. Then he said, give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Pretty smart, isn't it? No, he was pretty wise in this regard. The story is told about a pilot who was flying with an airline, and he had a regular route, dedicated route, that he would fly from somewhere in the Midwest I don't know, pick out a place, Salt Lake, and he'd fly to somewhere in Appalachia over the mountains in Washington or somewhere. And every time he would fly over this, he would divert his plane and he would pass over a valley in the, in the Appalachians and then he'd come back on course. So he'd, he would fly regular course, then he'd swing out of his course, go over a place, then he'd get back on, on course. And he did that for years. And his co-pilot finally said, why do you always diverge from your, our flight plan, and you go out over this valley, and then you come back. He said, you see that river right down there? And the pilot said, uh, the co-pilot said, yeah, I see it. He said, when I was a kid, I used to sit down there by that river and fish. And every time a plane would go over, I'd say, oh, I wish I could fly in a plane. He said, now that I'm old, 
I fly over that same river and I say, ooh, I wish I could go down there and fish. <laughs> Where is contentment? Be careful what you pray for. You might get it, right? But as for contentment, learn to be happy with what God has given you. He knows best. Such a shaky thing to live, wanting more stuff. Um, I, just personal experience, I remember when I was, we were starting to try to do some farming. Well, we didn't have anything but worn out, broken junk equipment. You know how that's, a farmers always start with that. And then we traded that in and got newer old wore out broken junk equipment. And I remember we got a lot, piled up piles and piles of machinery, tractors and balers and mowers and rakes, you know what it takes, we got all that stuff. And you know what we spent most of our time doing? Fixing the broken junk stuff. So you wanted all this stuff, but pretty soon you thought you had it, but mm-mm, it had you. You with me? So be, learn to be contented with what you got. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. So an unshakable Christmas must be built on trust that God will supply our needs. Learn to be content. You may not get every Christmas present you wanted, but learn to be content with what you got. He says, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Then the, the next thing I want to say, and I'm going to try to hurry because uh, I've got, got a lot I want to tell you here. Focus on your leadership. Focus on your leadership. Now, this text we're going to read here says, Remember your leaders who have spoken God's word to you. Think about the impact of their lives and imitate their faith. Uh, so we're all leading somebody. We're the front of some parade. Somebody's following us. Maybe it's a neighbor boy. Maybe it's a grandkid. Maybe it's a lost person. Maybe it's a Christian. I, I don't know. Somebody's probably following you. And they're watching your life. And they're watching you go through life, stepping on the minefields and avoiding this and getting tore up here, getting talked about here and made fun of, you know, they're watching you go through life and they're observing how you react to bad times. And they're watching you because they're trying to learn how to react to bad times themselves. So they're watching you. And so it's very important that you go through these situations, trusting God, waiting on the Lord, being content, and being a good Christian witness for the Lord. Learn that people are watching your life because somebody's watching you. Um, we've been encouraged from the Bible to, uh, from listening to the story of Dan- Daniel in the lion's den. Well, what did Daniel do? Well, he trusted the Lord. He did what he's supposed to do, said what he's supposed to say, and he got put in the lion's den. What happened? The Lord, or the angels closed their mouths of the lions. The Hebrew children in the fiery furnace, they were thrown in there and, and for standing up for the Lord. And people watch, and still to this day, we remember King David. We watched his life from shepherd boy to king, and we saw all that he did. And even though he strayed, he was, he was faithful to the Lord. Nehemiah, remember Nehemiah, New Testament, Old Testament, at the end of the Old Testament? He was there rebuilding the wall, and they criticized him, and they slandered him. He just kept working. Sweet little Esther, little Esther, walked into the king and, and spoke, risked her life. See, that's, that's what I'm saying. Those people were leaders, and so are you. You are a leader. Ask God this Christmas 
to help you lead your family and your loved ones. You stand up and hold up the banner of the Lord. You be faithful uh, and you be loving and, and you do all the things that God has laid on you to do using your gifts. You be it all. Yeah, okay. And then I want to close. Uh, the, you know, when a preacher says he's going to close, that doesn't mean he's about done, right? Okay. I'm getting close to the end here. But never allow yourself to be drawn into false teaching. Now, um, I don't want to sound judgmental, and I don't mean to be judgmental. But I'm telling you, there's a lot of, a lot of bad teaching going on in our world today from pulpits, big pulpits, little pulpits. Uh, the Word of God is, is being twisted and made to say things that never intended to say. Um, let me read verse 8, and then we'll talk about it. Jesus, the Messiah, is the same yesterday and today and forever. He doesn't change. His gospel doesn't change. His truth doesn't change. Stop being carried away by all kinds of unusual teachings, for it is good that the heart be strengthened by grace, not by food laws, and never have helped those who follow them. Now, what he's saying here is that this is an issue of grace, and, and it's not about food laws or kosher eating or Jewish traditions or church traditions or whatever it is. Uh, just don't, don't let yourself be drawn into false teaching. I have just in a short amount of time, didn't give much prayer to this or thought, but I wrote down five things for in my notes here that I think are being misspoken today from pulpits. And the first is that... Uh, that uh, it's an issue of grace, and we're being taught today that grace can be earned or kept, and it can't be. Grace is God's gift to us. You can't earn it. You can't keep it. And on the other hand, if you believe that you can have some kind of an experience at church and cry alligator tears and get up from, a, from the church altar and go out and live any way you want to live, you didn't meet Jesus. You know, so I'm telling you, when you meet Christ, you're changed. And you can say it like this, no Jesus, no change, or no change, no Jesus. So it's, it's very important that you understand grace. Grace is free, and grace is, is a gift of God. It can't be earned, and it can't be kept. But, but legitimate, real grace is, is not, per, not temporary, it's permanent. For instance, the church can't save you. Uh, the, the Bible does not bless all lifestyles. So there's a lot of things here about grace that we need to talk about. There are just certain things that God can bless. Now let's go to number two. I, I would love to stay there a long time, but there's so many more things I need to tell you. Your spiritual condition and your financial state are not the same thing. Okay? You may be poor in spirit, in, which is strong in the Lord, but poor in this world's goods. You can, God does not intend for everybody to be rich. And you hear some preaching now that says, uh, you know, if you love the Lord, you'll be wealthy. Well, no, you'll be wealthy, but not in the ways of this world. So the Lord gives us abundant life, but it is, it is more than just resources. So your spiritual condition and your financial state are not the same. Now, there are some basic biblical laws that if you live by, you will be financially stable. You want me to tell you what they are? Would you like to know? Give God 10% of your income. Give it to God. 
<clears throat> Number two, pay yourself 10% of your income. Save it. Put it in savings. How are we doing? Anybody mad yet? All right. Pay yourself 10%. Write a, write a check. Put it in a savings account. Put it in something more than a bank because you only get like 1.1000% of it. But, but put it in some kind of annuity that will rack up some money. And then learn to live on 80%. Cut down your lifestyle living to learn to live on 80%. In a few years, you'll be wealthy. In a few years, you'll, you'll not have any needs. So, but your spiritual condition. See, when you break God's financial laws, you're going to be impoverished and you're going to be in debt and your credit cards are going to be out of sight and, and you're going to be screaming because you haven't lived under God's law. Get it right and you'll be better off. Number two. If you, you vote, say, if you vote the right party, you're a Christian. That's, that's a fallacy. It's a lie. Voting for the right or for the left, for that matter, neither one of them will make you a Christian. Now, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to tell you, there's so many things that I, I can't see how a person can love the Lord and be a voting on the left, but that's just personal because there's so many things that are anti-biblical, anti-family, anti-home. But... Your politics and your religion are not the same thing. They will express in the right ways. But let's learn to love people on, the, on both sides of the aisle. Amen? Because only when America gets back to some sort of middle ground will we ever have a government that works again. So we've got to start loving. Even though right is right and wrong is wrong, we've got to understand there is a separation between our faith and our politics. And then any lifestyle that weakens the family is against God in the Bible. Anything, I don't care what it is, any lifestyle that is not biblical, that tries any other thing than to live by God's very clearly defined laws are not biblical. And uh, then the fifth thing I want to say, as I near the end, are all churches, this is what's being taught, all churches are the same and all belief systems are equal, and they're not. All belief systems are not equal. You will hear out there from the Oprah world and and others of that ilk, you'll hear them say, all roads lead to heaven. They don't lead to heaven. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Now get this. No man, woman, child, can come to the Father but by me. What does that mean? That means the Buddhist has got to go through Jesus. That means the Jews got to go through Jesus. That means the white middle-class American has to go through Jesus. That means you got to go through him. It's just that simple. All belief systems are not equal. And a church that doesn't preach the Bible is not equal to a, biblical, to a Bible-based church. And so if you want to get messed up in that, then, then listen to some of the teaching that's been going, in, going on in our world today. And then my final, my, my final point. Don't get wrapped up in religion. Be careful that you do not get wrapped up. Now, I'm going to read you 10 through 16, and it's really kind of confusing. But all I'm going to say here is it's speaking to Jewish people, talking about the Jewish sacrificial system, about how they did it. and what, Okay, so it's not going to really apply to us, but listen, to, wait till I summarize it. Here we go, verse 10. We have an altar, and those who serve in the tent have no right to eat at it. For the bodies of animals whose blood is taken into the sanctuary by the high priest as an offering for sin are burned outside the camp. That is why Jesus, in order to sanctify the people by his own blood, also suffered outside the city gates. Verse 13, and here's 
Very important verse. Therefore, go to him outside the camp uh, and endure the insults that he endured, etc., etc. What I'm trying to tell you is don't get wrapped up in religion or in denomination or in churches. You get wrapped up in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's, what, that's the most important thing. A church can't save you. A denomination cannot save you. A preacher can't save you. Your salvation is between you and God and him alone. And Jesus and his sacrifice is our total religion and our total hope. Our worship is outside the camp. What that means is, I'm not saying don't go to church. Boy, I'm not saying that at all. I think it's very important that you go to church. You need to be around other believers. And you need to do the encouragement. Uh, you need to come and, and f- share food with Christians and share spiritual food with Christians and study the Bible together and sing together and worship together, pray together. Those things are vital for your spiritual growth. But you go to Christ for salvation. He's the one. How many times have I said, you can go stand in a garage all day long, you'll never be a car. Right? And you can go to church all day long, never be a Christian. It's between you and God. All right. So Jesus paid it all. I want to close with this text from Ephesians, the 10th, 6th chapter of Ephesians. When I start reading it, you will, most of you will have it memorized, and you'll be ahead of me reading. And you've done this so many times. You've heard so many sermons on this uh, that uh, you don't listen to it anymore. And you go, okay, yeah, I got it. And then your mind goes off. Please listen. I'm going to emphasize the word, a word in here, a statement in here that doesn't get emphasized, and it's the very heart of this. So listen. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, powers, da-da-da-da-da, in the heavenly realm. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand... Stand firm then. That whole text is trying to tell you, okay, put it all on and then stand. Don't run. Don't cave in. Don't be shaken loose. Stand. And that's the heart of this. So, be, so stand. So what does that mean, guys? What am I trying to say? Don't be shaken. Don't be shaken loose from your faith. Stand with the armor of God on. Stand against the devil. Stand against the winds of trouble. Stand firmly against this world and stand for the Lord. Don't let anything get you off course. Let's pray together. Lord, these are precious people who've gathered here today on this Sunday before Christmas. We've come to worship you. We come to the manger today. And as those wise men came and the angels and the shepherds, Lord, we're with them there. We feel like That's our holiday. We've come to bow before that babe in a manger. Lord, we're so glad you didn't stay a baby. You grew up. You lived a perfect and sinless life, and then you allowed yourself to be taken to a Roman cross and crucified, and you gave up your life for us, for our sin. We thank you, Lord, and we love you. We're so glad to be your children and to be saved. In Christ we pray. Amen. Let's sing a song, Mr. Dawson. Yeah, all right. Let's finish it off with the Amazing Grace, key of G.
bow your head in prayer. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for the opportunity you've given us to gather together with uh, faith and friends and fellowship. And thank you for the word that we have uh, listened to today. And please help us just accept it into our hearts and also remember that this world is not our home. Um, We are just passing through. Um, And please help us just accept that we are are a third party in this world and help us grow in that. And um, we thank you for the day that you have given us today and just take us um, further within your word and uh, out of the ways of this world. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.